0: Hey what's up everyone this is Jeremiah Roberts one of the co-hosts here at Coltish and I hope you guys are doing good and gear we're getting closer to the to Christmas and to the end of the year and we're really just grateful for all of you who have supported who have bought Coltish merchandise that's available at shopcoltish.com who've downloaded listened to the podcast so we are almost at the end of the year. This has definitely been a wild and crazy one, but we currently have a need, especially going into next year. So right now, uh, we get around thirteen to uh, si- we get around thirteen to sixteen thousand downloads every single week uh, whenever we drop an episode. And we're incredibly grateful for y'all downloading, uh, sharing the podcast, enjoying it every single week. Uh, if we had around two, we had two hundred and fifty of you. Uh, Out of the 13,000 to 16,000 who download the podcast every month, commit. To donate to being part of the cultist crew and donating a minimum of twenty five dollars a month towards this ministry, we would have everything that we need uh, to going into twenty twenty one to be able to get additional staff to be able to just uh, even go on the road and just do a bunch of other really awesome content to take things to the next level. So if that's something, if you would just prayerfully consider that, like I said, we're looking and praying for two hundred fifty people uh, to commit to twenty five dollars a month going into twenty twenty one. If that's something you want to go do, go to thecultisshow.com. You can go to the donate tab. You can donate one time or monthly. All right, thank you for listening to that. And our guest today, uh, once again, is uh, Josh Robinson. He is a pastor out of West Virginia, and we we're on the we ended the last episode in a bit of a climax. He is going to go in, right into what happened at the riverbank. At, in last summer in West Virginia. And it's quite the story. So uh, brace yourselves. And also you can check more about the uh, film that's going to be about, that's going to be capturing and telling the story uh, about what happened in West Virginia at darkhollerfilm.com. We'll be sharing some links in our social media and in the podcast description. So definitely check that out. All right. Enjoy the podcast, ladies and gentlemen.
1: My name is Eddie and...
0: I was in a call. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to survive or evacuate is to leave with us.
1: It started as an effort by a charismatic creature to build a new society. But it ended, of course, with the tragic deaths of more than 900 people. Please, for God's sake, let's get on with it. We've lived. We've lived as no other people have lived and loved. We've had as much of this world as you're going to get. Let's just be done with it. Let's be done with the agony of it. This is a revolutionary suicide. This is not a self-destructive suicide. So they'll pay for this. They brought this upon us.
2: You're in a cult. I love you, and I
0: want you out of it and with Christ.
3: But you're, you're, you're...
0: All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Cultish, Entering the Kingdom of the Cults. My name is Jeremiah Roberts. I'm one of the co-hosts here. And uh, hi, Andrew. Super of the show. How are you? I'm doing well,
3: man. I feel like, you know,
0: after that, that last
3: episode, my mind, I was like on a mind dark Airbnb. You know what I mean? Like I was just picturing the Misty Mountain Appalachian, like log cabins and stuff like that the whole time. And I know I'm probably stereotyping what it's like out there in West Virginia. But that's where my, my mind was like, I have this, this mental picture in my head right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. Yeah.
0: I, I feel like, I feel like for me, it's, it's sort of like a combination of the whole Western Red Dead Redemption to like old wild West. Like I'm for me, like history, history wise, I love American history, especially uh, 1800 to 1900. Like everything happened in between there. I'm just like, I'm fascinated, but like to no end. And so, it's just interesting, too. You mentioned the last episode about uh, the, and you guys, and again, if we're, this is part two of the discussion here. So definitely check that out. This is your first, if you're jumping on board here. This is part two. Go back and listen to part one. Otherwise, go back quickly. Yes, go back quickly. Listen to it. Come back here right now. But um, I was just thinking about the Wild West, you know, all the spaghetti westerns I grew up on, but sort of mismatching that, like Cowboys and Vikings. You know, I'm thinking about <laughs> this weird. Backwoods Nordic mythology. I mean, it's it's almost sounds like something uh, you could make an American horror story series on, it or something like that. No joke. Definitely very fascinating atmosphere. But um, but anyway, so we're talking about at the end of the last episode, uh, you had talked about how Chris uh, and you had you'd had heard the gospel. You had a history of really of getting into witchcraft, and from the day you were born, being followed by this dark figure, and really tapping into things you should that are that were real experiencing things that are real but were not spiritually healthy for you in fact spiritually dangerous uh very dangerous um and then you got to a point where you heard the gospel you profess christ and you called out to god and then you met up with pastor josh and josh you went up there and you talked about uh you know kind of explaining the gospel to her and uh, and she said that she understood it and then you're at the bank and bank but just real quickly something took place there and i don't you talked to me when we we initially met on Zoom something about uh, Martin Luther and, and some sort of uh, something in relation to baptism in regards yeah. to uh, sort of speaking out with authority but in a biblical way against uh, anything that would be hostile in the invisible in the invisible realm from a biblical basis.
2: Yeah, yeah well so so before we jump into Luther, let me just kind of back us up a sure. little bit to kind of get us uh, to just kind of talk about the traditional historic church. And I think that'll actually help us make a little bit more sense of Luther and kind of set Luther in context a little bit. But so I was doing some, some research, uh, researching. I mean, that's what us nerdy pastors do. We read church history and we, we, we buy books. That's what we do. Um, and I, I ran into um, Luther having uh kept what was called what, what I now know as uh, the traditional baptism/ slash exorcism rites um, that was that were performed in baptisms. So I'm like, that's really interesting. Um, I've, I've never had this picture in my imagination of Luther performing an exorcism. Um, so that's that's a new image. Um, and so actually I ended up doing some some digging and I actually found out that the church for 1500, years, over 1500 years, um, every time a baptism occurred, there was actually a what was referred to as a minor exorcism that occurred with it. And so that was really common. That's traditional Christian practice. A lot of highly liturgical churches, uh, even in the Protestantism, still practice that today. Um, and basically that, that traditional... Uh, minor exorcism, right, is is do you renounce the devil and all of his works, the vain pomp, glory of the world, and all sinful lust of the flesh? Is basically what it is. But there's also a part in there. It's where it's you know in Jesus' name uh, we cast out anything that may be demonic, uh, you know, in this this recipient of baptism. Uh, it's very much along those lines, okay? And so um, this renunciation was actually used universally in the church. Uh, from the time of the second century onwards, I ended up learning. So, uh, so kind of moving forward now to Luther. Um, so Luther, uh, including an exorcism right in his baptismal rites, wasn't some sort of like weird theological novelty, right? It was simply just him um, keeping what he had received through church history. Um, so I found that, and I was like, that's fascinating. I, I had no idea that this was a kind of reformational idea where exorcism would be tied with baptism, and so I kept digging, and I actually found out that another one of the interesting things here was that Luther actually continued to practice the traditional um, exorcism rites in baptism on into the Protestant Reformation, and so we all know that Luther did away with a lot of things as the Reformation progressed because he considered them to be kind of leftover superstitions from, you know, Roman Catholicism, but the interesting thing was, is the exorcism rites weren't one of them. He, he kept the traditional baptismal and exorcism, uh, rights. And so, um, but yeah, so now you may ask, why did Luther and others in church history make that connection, right? With, with why, why would they correlate deliverance and exorcism with baptism? Right. I, I suspect that a lot of listeners may ask that question. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and the reason why it was primarily theological, um, it was because of the redemptive narrative that we see in Scripture and thinking biblically about symbolism and typology. So, for example, let's let's think back to the Exodus event, okay? Let's all of us think back to the Exodus event. In the Exodus event, Israel's emancipation from Egyptian bondage was a deliverance, right? I mean, God delivered them, mm-hmm from out of the kingdom of darkness. He delivered them from a nation that was under the influence of other little G gods who were actually fallen spiritual beings who were in rebellion against Yahweh. And as God took them through the waters, he took them from out of the clutches of Satan and out of the kingdom of death and ushered them into the kingdom of light where he would eventually bring them into the promised land. And so in the same way, that's what our baptism marks as well. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, he correlates baptism with the deliverance that occurred in the Exodus event. So listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. I want to ground this in Scripture, and I want people to, to get a hold of this. Listen to what he says here. He says, For I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea—so he's talking about the Red Sea— and all were baptized into Moses— in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. So in other words, what what the apostle Paul was saying here is that Israel partook of the very same sacral, sacramental realities that we do now. And so he said that as they passed through the sea, they were all baptized. And he he says that, you know, he goes on to say that they even ate the same spiritual food and spiritual drink that we, we do today. But anyway, what, what I'm getting at here is that, that in baptism, that baptism marks our deliverance from the kingdom of darkness and our entry into the kingdom of light. Baptism for, for Luther and, and for the historic church is a very real deliverance from the clutches of Satan and death and an, and an act of emancipation that, was, that is just as real as Israel's deliverance was from Egypt. And so this was, this was a linchpin in Luther's theology. So if you ever go back and if you ever read Luther saying weird stuff, what, what you know most of us would consider weird stuff, like remember your baptism, right? You, you see that attributed to Luther a lot. Well, one of the reasons why Luther said that was because not only did he think that it was a means of grace in which God supernaturally delivers grace to the believer, but he also thought that it was an objective event that one could remember and meditate upon where recipients were actually delivered from the kingdom of darkness, just like Israel was in the Exodus.
1: Hmm.
0: Wow. And, and that's, and that's very interesting. Again, you'd be differentiating between <clears throat> this baptism or Luther's baptism, differentiating between baptismal regeneration, yes. which there are people who state that. And that's, that's a whole nother uh, podcast, but um, yeah, It it differentiates between theirs. So the assumption is that the time, at least in Luther's eyes, that the person experiences this, they're already a believer, and it's not. There's not necessarily power. There's nothing like supernatural, super powerful about just saying this liturgy, but rather it's an it's an acknowledgement derived from scripture, which which affirms these things, and ultimately the power is not in this ritual; it's in the name of Jesus. So um, yes, this
2: this ritual and this this liturgy and this act of baptism is connecting you to the one who, who can emancipate and deliver.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so the relation to this then is that when you have this conversation with Kristen and you had met her uh, at the river and you, you had kind of uh, quizzed her on the different questions about what she believed about the gospel. And then from there, she agreed to be baptized outside of this river and, and that's where you baptized her but you also sort of said this uh liturgy that was known that could you incorporate that as well too with your practice as a minister
2: yes so after after i ran across this and i saw that this was a traditional thing that the church had always done and that the church had always correlated this and even this was even true in the reformation um it was my conviction i'm like hey well if this is a traditional christian thing and i'm and i'm of the reformed stripe then you know this is something that i ought to consider and, and incorporate into my own pastoral ministry um especially especially um knowing that we are encountering people who have dabbled in the occult and that that's a very common occurrence um in our in our area and in our region so i thought this this is a this would this would be very helpful i believe so but yes, um, so as soon as I saw that, I, I thought that that was necessary to incorporate into uh, into our 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 ministry.
0: Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, Kristen, how are you? How are you doing?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Good, good. I just want to—I know we're talking to yeah, you. I just want to hear from you real quickly. Uh, and uh, thank you again for you coming on and also sharing uh, kind of a little bit of the backdrop about your story here. So maybe if you could also— talk about just your vantage point of the questions that he was asking you and your desire to be baptized. And, and then just maybe explain from your vantage point of what happened uh, prior to like going down to the river and, and your vantage point. And then Josh, you guys, I'm going to kind of leave it up to you and just sort of interject your vantage points together. And you yeah. guys work together to explain what happened and you can just share together. Cause it's something you co- really co-experienced together. And again, I want to emphasize again, we spent the reason why we're, Taking our time and laying a foundation uh, biblically, because that's the way we're supposed to think, versus start, because if we had started what we're about to tell at the very beginning of the series. It, people would have probably really kind of thrown up, uh, put on their skepticals, as I would say, um, yeah. and, and, and right and rightfully so in many ways, because so many times I mean that people, supernatural experience can be sensationalized both through uh, false teachers, uh, people uh, in evangelicalism who deal with uh, it who deal with the spiritual warfare in a very uh, sensationalistic way and also, you know, through Hollywood uh, and those sorts of things. And so I we're
3: commanded to test the spirits and first on four. So <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. So, all right. So the, the floor is back to you guys. And so just to set the backdrop, we're on this, if any of you have seen the, and I think we talked about this, Josh. So one of my favorite movies by the Coen brothers, uh, Oh brother, where art thou? Yeah. That, that is, I went down in the river to pray. And they're yep. going, you know, they're going and getting baptized, right? So I, I'm visualizing this this river in the backdrop of Virginia, and what season was it? Was it was it summertime or like what season was it? Was it was what was the water cold?
2: Yeah, so we were right smack dab in the middle of the summer, okay. And that was it was in the 90s in that day, so it definitely wasn't it definitely wasn't cold out,
1: okay. Uh,
2: so, but, but yeah, so Kristen, I'll let you kind of start start us off, and then we can just kind of
1: well it's it's kind of hard for me really, because I only remember bits and pieces of it um because it it just i just felt like I was having that i was having that outer body experience again you know i I wasn't myself um I do remember when Josh was talking to me um him and him and Chris were talking to me before I, we were standing um by the river we were standing on the river bank, and I remember he was just glowing. <laughs> like... They, they was, they was just glowing and he's asking me, you know, these quest uh, the quest asking me the questions that he was asking me and, and I don't even remember like conversating with him though. And I do remember, I felt like I was being like, I, as I go to take a step into the river, it felt like I was pushed and then I fell and Josh was like, Oh, are you okay? And I said, I just broke my foot. And I remember saying, "Let's keep going." And um then I really don't remember anything after that. Um, I do remember feeling like uh, that i was I was being pulled while I was standing there, though.
2: yeah, so th- it's really interesting that you kind of say some of that because so as so from my vantage point, as we're walking out through the river, you seemed almost kind of very hesitant, like in some ways, you know what I mean? like, like you were going, but it was kind of like you weren't like in any kind of hurry. <laughs> so like you know what I mean to like yeah. get out there, and um, so that was that was pretty interesting. Um, now there's some other things that, that kind of happened too, and I know that you've kind of talked about some of it, you know, from your vantage point. Mm-hmm. But um, so as we walk out there, I, I asked Kristen. I said, "Can I pray for you before we do this?" And she said, "Yeah, absolutely." And so at this point, we've kind of we're, we're out in the middle of the river and, you know, we're kind of turned away from the crowd that's on the bank. And, and basically my thought process at this point is, Lord, I, I've preached the gospel to this this woman. Um, she says that she's received it. I pray that she has. Um, but, Lord, I also know that this woman has has had a history of, of dabbling in in darkness so that's kind of my thought process. I'm, uh, and so I'm like, if anybody would be afflicted by something demonic, um, or even possessed by something that is demonic, it would be this girl. <laughs> that's my thought process. And so I'm like, um, great thing is, is the church has, uh, you know, has a way of dealing with this. And so, so at this point, I asked her if I could pray for her, and she said yes. And so I, I basically, uh, you know, said, Lord, if there is anything demonic afflicting this woman, or if there's anything demonic possessing this woman, I pray that in Jesus name, that you would cast it out and that you would judge it is basically along the lines of of what I prayed. And as soon as I prayed that there was kind of like this low grade kind of shake shaking behavior that kind of happened. Now it's not like something you would see in like Hollywood, right? This isn't not how this event happens. It's not like something you would see in the movies. Um, but it's just kind of like this low grade shiver kind of thing. And and as I said, it was kind of strange because, you know, we kayak in this water pretty often. (laughs) Like it's pretty warm. It's, it's the middle of summer. So I'm like, okay, well that's, that's interesting. Um, But anyway, I'm not the only person who noticed it. Um, The the other man who was out in the river with us noticed it as well. And so as we're, so we turn about this time uh, back to the crowd that's on the bank And as we turn to the crowd on the bank, um, I basically just start telling Kristen's story. Um, You know, this is, you guys know her, you know, you know her history. She's professed faith in the Lord Jesus. We're here. And because she's professed faith, we are going to baptize her. And so at this point, we kind of grab Kristen's hands to try to, you know, to, to prepare for the baptism. And as soon as we grab her hands, there's this strange, it's hard to describe it's like this strange posture posture change that occurs where it's like she was standing there and now it's like she's almost like leaning backwards um and like i wasn't the only person that noticed it either like there were other people who were at the event you know on the bank watching it who noticed it as well and were you know, kind of shaken up about it, even and' um, we'll get
0: to that. yeah, and Josh, just to clarify that it was it was you, Chris, in the water, but you also had two other congregants or two other people in leadership, you had some deacons in there as well,,
2: so we had one other man who was in leadership, who is an elder candidate at our church and who is also our uh our uh, worship leader as well, out in the water, and we did have uh some other church leaders who were there on the bank,
3: hmm. Yeah, so we've got two to three independent lines of testimony. All we,
2: yeah, so we've got that, and we also have multiple church leaders, or not church leaders, but church members as well who are there, wow. um, mm. who are on the bank as well. So, yeah, there are various people who are at this event who, yeah, who are different lines of, um, yeah.
0: Enough where they say something Something happened. But anyways, go go ahead to where, back to where you were. So you, you, you say his prayer. She starts sort of audibly shaking. And just real quickly, I, this is interesting because – um, Kristen, you you talk about how you don't remember much, um, and you can give me your thoughts too, Josh. The first thing I thought of is I I think about hearing stories of people who have been in traumatic accidents, in car yes. accidents, where almost where you're acting on adrenaline, and then yeah. you think in hindsight, um, like you don't even yeah they have no recollection. It was a blur. It was just a blur, and this thing thing yeah. happened. Um, and it happens a lot of times too. And I was going to school. Uh, Way back in the day for criminal justice studies, I learned enough about it that it really wasn't going to be my cup of tea. But they were talking about just a lot of times when people misunderstand when a police officer is put in in a stressful situation, they have to make that quick decision between life and death. You know, do I use my gun or not? Is that a lot of times the adrenaline is pumping so fast, you know, you think you're drawing your gun and you think you're firing twice, but you actually fire nine or 11 times. We had a guy who came into our class who talked about that. Uh, this is a long time ago and I was in community college and so needs to say that's just a little bit of a connection I made. Um, but anyways, uh, go ahead with what you're saying. Does that make sense for what I'm saying there?
2: Yeah. So I actually worked with the division of juvenile services for, for three years before I was a church planner and a pastor. And so I actually know exactly what you're talking about. That's actually a very common thing that happens whenever somebody is functioning on adrenaline. You know, we would all the time have to write reports, you know, whenever incidents would occur and you know, it's you kind of lose some of those fine detail kind of skills. You know what I mean? Where it's it's hard to kind of pay attention. So, so that was some of my thoughts as well. Whenever Kristen mentioned that there was only bits and pieces of it she remembered, that was the first connection of my mind too. So,
0: hmm. Okay, very interesting. So, tell just uh, go ahead back in the story. Where, where did it go from here?
2: Okay, so so at this point, um, we're we're facing the crowd. We're we're telling we're telling her story. And so, uh, myself and our other leader, we, we both kind of, uh, you know, grab her hands and kind of brace to, 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 you know, dunk her. And as we do this, she just, there's just this posture change where she starts like, you know, leaning backwards almost like, like her head, like kind of tilts backwards and she's leaning backwards. Um, the closest thing that I could maybe like compare it to is if you have children and like you you grab them by the arms and like they go like limp and like tilt their head back. You know, like if you're a parent, you probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah, That's probably one of the closest things that I could compare it to. Um, and so I'm saying, basically I say, you know, we baptize you in the name of the father and in the son and of the Holy spirit. And whenever I get to Holy spirit, she just like basically starts going backwards, like without us dunking her <laughs> And like the the leaning just kind of like she just leaned on into the water. So we we go along with it. We we dunk her, and whenever she comes back out of the water, uh, I don't I don't have a category um, for the noise. Like she there's this noise that comes out of her. And she makes this noise, and the closest thing that I can compare it to is um maybe like something done uh, uh, yeah um, it's 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 definitely a disturbing noise it, it's it's like a, not a scream but like it's it sounded like something in pain is mm. what it sounded like um, and I'm not the, I'm actually I'm not the only person who said that there were also some independent witnesses there who said the, a sim- you know, similar things but it sounded like you know I, I've done some baptism guys like I, I'm a minister I've been a church planner for you know three four years and you know, I've done baptisms before, and I've seen all types of baptisms. I've seen people who come out of the water, and they're celebrating, and they're happy. <laughs> I've seen people who, you know, are kind of stoic and, you know, don't have a whole lot of a reaction. But I've never seen a baptism before where somebody comes up, and the, the noise that comes out of them is like a, a painful, wounded-type noise. Um, and after that, she starts making this kind of... It's like a gasping or like a heaving type noise would be the only thing that I could compare it to. Like, almost kind of like a... Like, I don't know if you've ever, like, been sick before and and been dry heaving, like, over, you know, a toilet or something. But from my vantage point in the water, it was a very similar noise as, like, a dry heave if someone were sick. And then she immediately puts her hands in her face, or her, her face in her hands, and just starts weeping. Like, I've never seen, you know, an event like this. And like, it startles the other man who is in the water with me, and you, you can, like, people, like, you could actually see him take like two or three steps backwards, because he had never seen anything quite like that as well. Um, and so anyway, we, we, we grab her by the hands, we help walk her back to the bank, and as soon as we get back to the bank she she sits down on on the bank and just s- continues kind of weeping and like kind of does like this rocking motion while she's on the bank um, you know at this time her fam- like she doesn't like you would think that the first reaction would be like go to my family celebrate with my family right like right. that's typically what happens but that's not what happens it's like she sits alone at the be- the foot of the bank and just sits there and does this rocking thing. And, and her family actually comes to her, you know, and then, and then that kind of, you know, celebration stuff kind of ensues from there. So to kind of move us forward here a little bit, you know, I stick around for, you know, probably 10, 15 minutes. You know, I speak with her a little bit and, you know, say like you know congratulations and, you know, talk to the family. And so I get to the car Afterwards, and my wife says to me, "Josh, I, you've done some bapt—I've been to baptisms before, but I have never seen a baptism like this. Do you think that when she came out of the water, that something came out of her?" That's my wife's exact words, and my my wife is my wife is very skeptical. Okay, <laughs> like you know, my, my wife is not a sensational person. Like she she is the type of person where you know if you're talking about something, she's like, ah, nah, probably probably not. Um, you know, she's that type of person, but that was her her first. And I, I said to her, I said, you know, I said, um, you know, actually that was my first, uh, thought. I didn't know for certain if that was what happened or not, but that was my first instinct. And I said, and, and the, the reason why is because I actually asked Jesus to cast out anything demonic that could possibly be in her prior to it, and she was like, you know, she's like speechless at this. Point. She's like, "You're you're kidding," <laughs> you know. And so, you know, we talk about that a little bit more. We we go home, um, and as soon as I get home, we'll come back around and kind of talk some more of these details about sure. the baptism. But um, as I get home, I get a message from one of our congregants. Who was present at the baptism? Who has been personal friends with Kristen for a very long time? And she says to me, "I don't want to sound rude, but I don't know how else how else to to ask this. Do you think that a demon come out of her whenever she come out out of the water?" Wow! And so, uh, you know, we we had a call and I I spoke with her and I told her the same thing and. She was very emotional. Uh, this this church member uh, mm. very emotional about this event, and you know she said that she thought that perhaps that her first impression is whenever that happened was that she had witnessed a miracle. Mm. Uh, not not because I'm some miracle worker or anything like that, but because that's what God does. Um, God God saves people and He regenerates people and and He He crushes His enemies and He puts them uh beneath his feet and that is miraculous um and she felt like that's what she saw Mm -hmm. and so um a couple hours later um derek uh who is one of our deacons whom you guys know and have spoken with and met um uh so his wife was there which is uh, she is she is kristen's sister um and she is the one who also, prior to me sharing the gospel with her, had shared the gospel with her as well. Her sister called me after her husband had gotten home, Derek. Uh, he had been fishing, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, and Yeah, he had been fishing. And um, he, uh, she said, Josh, what happened to my sister? She's like, I know my sister. I, I, she, she's like, she is not the type of person... Who would draw attention to herself, you know, in any kind of way? If you if you know Kristen, she's very reserved, quiet, um, not the type of person who would draw attention to herself. She said she said it startled me so bad that I was recording it on my phone, and I dropped my phone whenever she came out of the water. I mean, this is her sister talking, okay? Like that's that's pretty significant. Like if anybody knows you. And knows what's normal for you it's the person you've lived with through the entirety of your life mm. you know definitely and, and her sister is so startled by what she sees whenever she comes out. she drops her phone on the riverbank so so i told her and and derek uh her husband who is one of our deacons i told them the same thing um and, you know, they had the same, same reaction, uh, you know, emotional uh, categories blown to pieces, you know, that kind of thing uh, is pretty much the reaction that they had as well. And then um, lastly, at about approximately, you know, 11 to midnight that night, uh, that evening after that's kind of a blur for me <laughs> as it kind of goes along because I talked to a lot of people that evening, um, I spoke with the other man. Who, uh, who was in the water with me. And um, we're speaking on the phone, and I asked him, I said, what did you think about that baptism this evening? And he said, you know, well, I felt like that we shared the gospel, you know, accurately. I felt like that we shared it to the best of our abilities, given the situation. And I was like, no, I'm not talking about that. I was like, I'm confident <laughs> that we shared the gospel <laughs> with her. Was, all right, like, I'm, sure, I'm confident of that. I was like, I'm talking about the event itself. Specifically, the things that happened in the water and when she came up out of the water, and he paused for a moment. And if you know if you know this man, he is very not emo- He's not an emotional person, uh, not an emotional person at all. Uh, he is a very skeptical person, um, very just skeptical of anything along, the, you know, that may be sensationalized and. You know, maybe seen and thought of as like maybe charismatic or superstitious or any of that kind of stuff. Um, And he said, I'm going to be honest with you, man. He said, my first thought when she came out of the water and made the, the, the noises and the reactions that she did was something came out of her. And the interesting thing about that. So I, I I told him, I was like, well, I was like, you were there. I was like, did you notice the prayer that I prayed? You know, I, I prayed that if there was anything in her, uh, you know, p- oppressing or possessing her, that Jesus would cast it out. And like, you know, is kind of the same reaction from from him as well. Um, and so, the interesting thing about this is that none of these people spoke to each other prior to m- me speaking with them. <laughs> like, mm. they all observed the event individually. And all of them came to the same exact conclusions about the event and then came to me seeking pastoral advice on what exactly just happened to their friend and family member.
0: That's insane. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, I got a question for you. Um, So you mentioned how this thing was really a a blur for you and, Mm -hmm. and, and in some ways like understandably so. At what point did you... Uh, did, did you have at what point did you start to sort of recollect in hindsight, maybe from from Pastor Josh or just kind of what was your deep when you how did you sort of debrief or come about the knowledge of what happened? And and what was it like from your end once you sort of I know, like when it happened, you didn't become aware of it, But eventually here you are talking now. You probably have your sister. You've got Pastor Josh who you're with on, on the podcast right now. Uh, you have your friends who witnessed this and kind of brought this in and you talked about how even the, in your whole history of being, being a witch and, and having this dark figure chasing you. I mean, what was that debriefing like once you became aware of it? And, and what was that process like for you?
1: Well, uh, uh, throughout the possession, I had actually lost all complete emotion. Like I didn't have any emotion at all. Um, I was just a dead soul. Really I was. And and that didn't my emotions didn't even I feel like come back for a while. It maybe it took a, about 3 to 4 days before I even started to feel okay, like could function. And um I probably didn't even really fully get my emotion back until about a a week or more later. So, uh, but, but when they, when they came to me about this, um, they asked me, you know, how, how did you feel about your baptism? And I was like, I didn't want to scare them. And I was like, well, how did y'all feel about it? Cause, cause I, <laughs> I, I, I pretty much knew like it, it wasn't surprising to me. Um, looking back on everything, I was putting the pieces together of what had happened to me, you know? So I didn't want to scare anybody. Because, I mean, you just don't around here.
2: have you don't.
1: Yeah, you don't talk about it. Yeah. Talking about it is going to invite it in.
2: Yeah, that's what you know, the majority of people around here would tell you. Hey, if you're going to talk about it, like you're going to invite it in, kind of
1: deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and Darian, um, was the one that I really opened up to about it. I was like, you know, I really think I was possessed, and she was like. You know, I'm so, uh, I'm not glad that it happened, but I'm glad that you bring that up <laughs> and uh, everybody just starts talking about. It. And the whole time, everybody else knew, you know, they witnessed what had happened and most of them knew my background. And then then they came to the conclusion that that's exactly what they had witnessed. And um, so I've I it was kind of shocking to me. You know, for the for me to to know about it, and then everybody else already knew too, but we just wasn't talking about it. Yeah, so it had came out, hot. yeah, it came out at the same time, pretty much. Yeah. It's kind of
2: like, like everybody knew. It's like everybody in like knew, but like wasn't like yeah, wanting we wasn't to talk.
1: talking about <laughs> it. Mm,
2: the elephant's <laughs> in the
3: room. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then the interesting thing about it is, is at this point, um, I hadn't talked with Kristen about what had happened. So whenever I found out, so Darian, the 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 female that she is referring to was one of the the female that I spoke with or spoke about who was actually on the bank um, was the first person who reached out to me after the event who I said was pretty emotional about the event. So um, that was that's who she's referring to. But yeah, so I kind of kept my skeptic lenses on after the event. Honestly, um, you know, I thought that that was what had occurred, but that was the that was the only category that I had for what could have occurred. Right. Um, but I thought, you know, I, I don't know that for certain. And I'm like, and if God worked that miracle um, through the preaching of the gospel and through his means of grace, then ama- that's amazing. i like, but I don't know what happened. And then whenever, you know, she told me, you know, whenever we, we were, you know, we connected again after that. And then, she, you know, she told me I was possessed and I've been, set free. Um, it was kind of, uh, I thought that was what happened, but it was just for me, like to hear that come out of her mouth was really powerful, you know? So.
0: Mm. Wow. And then, um, I think this is good too, because, um, at this point and, I, and I'll, I'll, get, I'll set you up for this, Josh, too. Because we kind of talked about this. I think there's, there's an overall, a, a real need and an understanding here. And, and again, this is this is not the normative experience by by any means. Like you said, people in your congregants they had the no point of reference and you even did yourself. Yeah. And you know, I, I, and here at Cultish, I mean, we've explored uh, different topics from a biblical worldview as far as we've had Stephen Band on who is a former active new ager. we've kind of explored a lot of those topics especially when with ufology and kind of the practices that people get into as a byproduct of uh, kind of delving into that culture but um in many ways that's it's important to understand that realm in a sense to where people are experiencing something and that's experience is based in reality and about 3 three years ago um, if, if someone had come up to me and, and talked to me about your experience or uh, someone talking about being in the new age and, and, and flying out of my astral bo- my astral body and floating outside the astral realm, like what yeah. have you, I, I would have thought something to the extent of this is just, this is just in your head. You're just thinking that. Cause again, I think a lot of times, you know, I'm thinking back to um, our episodes on Bethel that we dressed a while back. A lot of people who tend to come out of that movement they kind of swing very hardcore to kind of like a very strict cessationist in a way like this stuff never happens anymore. Um, and again, I'm not trying to dog on anyone in that field or category. There's a lot, lot of people over there. I have a tremendous amount of love and respect for, but I just think that there's this tendency to hear and experience what you did as someone who's a minister and to try and explain it away without giving any sort of biblical precedence to it. So yeah. I think that's just something people in general need to do. And then I think that, cause I, I really feel in my heart that especially where the culture is going, that that's a topic that is going to be coming up a lot more in uh cultist 2021. <laughs> so yeah. w- what's some fr- what's some framework of like, how do we work through this? Cause I think I know that you're having to do it from your vantage point and Kristen, maybe you can talk about too how do you now as someone who's kind of been through all this, like how do you make sense of this experience and, and what's, how how do you work? What's your process of working through that in regards to what the Bible says? How do we, how do we work through and make sense of that?
2: Yeah. So for me, just from a pastoral perspective, kind of the way that I, I work through that now is I, I am cognizant that, um, things that, that congregants may bring to me in pastoral counseling may be, there may be more happening beneath, behind the scenes, if that makes sense. I think that three years ago, um, before I started getting some of these categories and stumbling upon some of this stuff throughout church history and, and finding out that maybe I'm not as weird as I thought that I was, um, I think that before that, uh, I would have been very unhelpful. Um, I think that I would have probably looked at somebody like Kristen uh, a couple years ago and I would have probably said, I think that what you're saying is in your mind. Um, I think that you may be hallucinating or maybe thinking that you're experiencing something that you're actually not. And I would have probably, and probably like referred them to, you know, a doctor or something is probably, I think, what I would have done. But now, since this event, I think that God has used it to make me much more pastoral. Um, Hmm. Now, now I realize that no, like there, there is an unseen realm out there and that unseen realm is densely populated, not just by beings who serve Yahweh, but beings that are in rebellion against Yahweh. And, they hate us, they hate him, they hate his, his family, they hate his people. and what they want to do is they want to steal, kill and destroy. And now I, I look at, at, at something like this, and I, I'm just more cognizant that maybe there's something more going on whenever someone brings me something in pastoral counseling. I'm much more uh, sympathetic. Um, and now I don't have to write off someone's world, like what they're experiencing. I, I think that that's the unhelpful thing. Listen, if, if you're listening to this, and maybe you're a kind of a hyper, uh, you know, cessationist or something along those lines, I, I don't want to rag. Um, but I I, I, I I came from that myself. Um, there was a point to where I, I would have thought that something like this wasn't even possible. But I just want to remind you and just exhort you that that, cessationism isn't the belief that the demonic has ceased. It's the belief that the spiritual gifts are no longer active, mm. right? Like, so let's not let's not conflate here. Let's not conflate these things. Um, we have no scripture that says that the demonic has ceased um, after the closing of the apostolic age. Actually, we see that the demonic ceases whenever Jesus finally returns and casts them into the lake of fire. That's right. <laughs> right? So that's, that's when... That's when these things cease. So you uh, so if you're you know if you if you believe that the spiritual gifts have ceased, hey that's that's fine. no problem. I, I tend to I lean that way myself. But that doesn't mean that you have to become a materialist. And right. I think that that's where I was at prior to this, even though I'm a Christian, right? And I, I believe that, that God exists. I, 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 but functionally, I was functioning as kind of a materialist. and I would have said that something like this couldn't have happened. And now, um I think that I've actually that God using this event is is used it so that I can actually help more people and glorify him. so that's just from my perspective so
0: yeah, so Kristen, tell us your vantage point well how do what's how do you what's your processing in all this now now as a Christian and like in knowing the bible and and I know that probably you spent time of josh, you know you you probably spent time of you. Guys, probably like working together, possibly, you know, counseling and making sense of, in light of your experience now in hindsight, about, like, I'm thinking of it too. Um, the, like, the scripture verse when it says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Mm, Colossians. So I'm not necessarily thinking through the realm of, of trying to, the sensational, you know, the, 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 where it sound like something in pain that had left you? there's a framework that there's a framework to understand and make sense of that via what scripture says. Mm. Uh, and you also have, you have invisible principalities and powers, like even in Ephesians, you have the, uh, you have the heavenly, we're, we're blessed with every, even you now, Kristen, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Mm. But prior to that, you also had, you were enslaved to the prince and power of the air so in both yeah. of those passages in Ephesians they're talking, is dimensional. But yeah. I, enough of me, enough of me. Um, I'm just, I, like I said, you've got all the wheels. i got to blame you for that, Pastor Josh. you got the wheels in my head turned. <laughs>
2: well, I'm going to go there afterwards. So.
0: Yeah, no, you're good. So, Chris, go ahead. I want to hear from you.
1: Um, you know, I really think that uh, what God delivered me out of was just absolutely amazing, especially coming from somebody who it would have wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. Um, so I'm completely undeserving. Um, and a lot of people will say that, you know, they witnessed the miracle that I was just unsavable and, and, you know, I would kind of agree. I really would. Um, because it was just like, I, I just, I was so dead in my sin that I I wanted, I wanted that sin. I craved that sin and, and now it's like i don't even have the desire for it um i'm i am born again and and i think that that is it's a, and it's just an amazing thing really because i'm completely a different person and um yeah. and anybody who knows me would tell you that i have just completely changed for the better and um and i crave god's word and and i'm i plan to get you know Uh, grow and every day stay stronger in my faith and and i'm excited to see where he takes me in the future
2: i remember the first time that i actually saw Kristen, uh after shortly after the event and it was almost like looking at a new person you know Mm -hmm. i I remember i was like wow i was like you look like you're doing well and so it was it like so was it wasn't just that there was like this this spiritual change obviously being transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, obviously that happened, but it, like it was just noticeable even looking at her, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was truly, uh, truly just mind blowing in ways. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm just affirming, <laughs> affirming yeah. mm-hmm. the exact things you're saying.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what Darian was telling me. She said that, um, you know, my hair was falling out. She said, I have never ever seen you look like that. She said, you really look dead. And like I said, I didn't have any emotion. I didn't even know how old I was until, you know, weeks after this had happened. Um, I couldn't recognize myself in the mirror. Like, like it was really, really bad. And um, and she said that, you know, when I showed up at church and, and I started coming to home group and stuff, and the first time that they all had seen me, they was just like, wow, like, you look completely different, like, you look amazing, and I, that really made me feel a lot better, because I had heard of of how bad I looked, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, and that was, that was hurtful, and a lot of people said that, too, that, that they could just, um, my boyfriend told me, he said, I could just feel the evil around you to the point where it would make me sick that I really, really could, couldn't be around you that much, like, like people wouldn't want to be around me because of this. It, it was just a horrible, horrible place, deep, dark place in my life that I do not ever want to go back again. And I know with God on my side that I, I never have to again. And, and that's just comforting for me, um, because I, fi- I really am finding myself in God.
2: That's that's powerful. Hmm. Um,
3: and, I'm speechless. Yeah. <laughs> I'm legitimately. I've been speechless this whole time.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now wow. and now she's now she's a, you know church member. She she attends our our community groups and homes and you know is being discipled and you know she's been you know a, a follower of Jesus now since the summer. So she's learning. She's growing. Um, she learns some of these things in a different way that some of us would. For obviously. For sure. She come in contact with, but she's and she's joining us on the Lord's Day for worship and so. It's it's been amazing for me as a pastor to see God work this out and <clears> it, to see Him faithful uh, to His to the promises that we see in Scripture. I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, you know, back in Genesis, you know, after the Babel event, you know, God calls a man out of that region named Abram and promises to him a descendant who would come and who would bless the nations, right? And mm-hmm you know the nations are in darkness at this point they're under the principalities and the rulers and you know the authorities and the cosmic rulers that you guys were referring to earlier and that's what paul tells the ephesians in ephesians chapter 6 hey you don't you don't wrestle against flesh and blood right uh-huh. But it's against the rulers, the dominions, the, the principalities. And the amazing thing about this thing, guys, is that if you miss this, you're going to miss a part of the gospel. You're going to miss a part of the gospel of the kingdom because the gospel of the kingdom isn't just that Jesus died for our sins. Yes, he died for our sins. Absolutely. That is the heart. That is the core of the gospel. But the gospel is all, also that Jesus has disarmed the rulers and the principalities, that he has disarmed them. I mean, listen to what Paul says in Colossians 2. Yes. Right? In Colossians 2, he says, I mean, listen, In him you were circumcised with the circumcision without hands, putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So we're literally talking about the gospel here. Yep. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. We're talking about penal substitutionary atonement here. Amen. We're talking forgiveness of sins. This is the heart of the gospel. And listen to what he says in verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So not only did Jesus die for our sins, but he also disarmed the rulers and the principalities, the forces of darkness that were once over the nations and had been over the nations from the beginning in Genesis. And because of that, Jesus now calls us in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. He calls us to go into the nations and to make disciples. Why does he call us to do that? Because he says now he has all authority in heaven and on earth. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, we now have the ability to go into these dark places and to see God do this miraculous work like what we saw here.
3: Wow. Praise God, brother, preach it, Pastor Josh. Like, (laughs) dude, like what you you start quoting uh, Colossians 2 there, and it reminds me totally kind of how this conversation has went. First, we built up, uh, you know, the foundation of saying there is an unseen realm. And it actually kind of reminds me of Colossians chapter 1. So we go into the beautiful uh, work that Christ does as the kingdom of God is growing through his sacrifice on the cross in Colossians 2. But in Colossians 1, it actually sets up the foundation as well. It says he is the image of of the invisible God. Christ is the proof of the unseen realm. Yeah. Right. Absolute. And it says yeah. that he created all things on heaven and on earth, yes. visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers and authorities. So even just like going to Ephesians, another one of Paul's yeah. uh, letters, we, we know that especially with Colossians two, he he defeats all of it. Not only does he defeat it, but he is before all of them. He is preeminent in all things, even in the resurrection. Yes. Right. So he's even our hope for glory that we have when all things are made new yep. and in like what we're seeing right now with Christian, your life and what has happened. This is a shadow of the even more amazing glory that will be to come in our bodily resurrection after after we die. You know, yep. like it, it just blows my mind to hear your story. Uh, but what's going to happen in the future in the consummation of all things is it, it, that that's just a shadow of the beauty that we will experience then. You know? Like that just blows my mind.
0: Amen. Amen. Good. And yeah, and again, I just want to emphasize I think we are we are definitely you know headed just where the culture's headed. Like regardless of of who ends up winning the election, I think ultimately the culture at this point is indicative of just sort of this this ri this this rapid uh, just running towards just secularization of everything and godlessness. But we're created in the image of God, and so there is this spiritual void and vacuum that uh, people have a Jesus-shaped hole, and they're just—and because of that, you know, they're, even like Walter Martin, his day, he always talked about there being an occultic explosion during his time. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see that, but it's always during these periods of— uh, just sort of like secularization uh, where, where this really becomes prominent, like during the 70s or periods in the 60s. But even now, it's very prominent, especially uh, even now with, with social media, just because a big part of the um, I mean, a big part of the new age and the occultic movement is sort of the guru industry. They kind of go hand in hand. Mm. So I think even with that and also with the power, the ability of social media and the amount of people you can be reached. I mean that stuff big tech I mean you know that's all the conversations about big tech and technology and and you know people abusing that power I mean it's new it can be used for either evil or for good but just that media aspect is a huge aspect there's a lady um, I think she's a millennial age young lady and her name is Haley Reese and she's a medium she has live medium ships and her YouTube channel has over a million has over a million subscribers and there's just a dime of dozens of people like that so it kind of reminds
2: me in a way of like we've talked about this uh joe rogan i mean joe rogan is yep. the number one podcast in the world and you know and he's he's bringing people on who who's talking about you know how to contact how to contact you know uh, you know uh, interdimensional beings through mind altering drugs like dmt and you know things like that and whenever whenever that is the biggest podcast in the world that's probably pretty indicative of where the culture's heading
0: right? oh yeah
2: and so if you're if you're a pastor and if you don't have these categories i, I would just urge you to just to, to just take these things seriously, right? Like to, to just to, to consider what we're saying here. Um, because whenever someone shows up on your doorstep and you don't have the categories, you're not going to be able to help them, mm. right? You need these categories. And so, you know, Stephen Bancars, you guys have done, I love Stephen Bancars. Uh, you guys have done an episode. And he, you know, he said something uh, where he talked about where he thought that one of the most helpful things that you could do with somebody who's dealing with the new age is to affirm as much of their, their worldview as you could. I mean, meaning that you don't like say, Oh, you're crazy. You know, you need to go see No, like you. And I would say as a pastor, like that's some of the best advice that I could possibly give, be able to affirm the worldview of the person who is coming to you and seeking help. Because I, I suspect that if, if I would have done that with Kristen, she would have done a lot like what Steve Bancars did whenever people did that to him, that she would have been emboldened, in her sin, that she would have continued to go on and who knows where she would have ended up.
1: I honestly probably wouldn't even be alive (laughs) really. Like that's how bad that I was getting. Um, And I really don't know what I would have done.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Wow. Uh, This is, this is good. Yeah. And like I said, and also one last thing to emphasize too, is that, so I think, like I said, pastors need to be aware of this and, 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 and be able to have answers for that. And maybe we could, you know, sometime explore that in another future episode, but also, you know, I, I would want to say too, and I think Josh, you'd affirm this too, is that um, if, when we, so we, we got connected through Fight, Laugh, Feast. And I was actually thinking about that because I went out there uh, with Darren Doan, a shout out at uh, Doan Creative Agency, that doing a lot of really crazy and cool stuff right now. Um, but it was just uh, like on the way there, I, I had this thought because that there is a podcast of Joe Rogan that I was listening to on the plane and he had two guys on there that were talking about the role of psychedelics, and they were trying to, in very ways, eisegeet and totally to rip the Bible out of context to say that the early Christians were using psychedelics. Yeah. And they were talking about, you know, Paul being caught up in the third heaven and even the taking the Lord's Supper and, and saying some of you may have, like, died because you did, took communion in an unworthy manner, mm. saying that they were maybe taking it the wrong way or just. Completely butchering reading into the text, but the point is, is that you know you've got millions and millions of downloads, the number one podcasts in the world, and because information is so much more accessible, um, I remember there's so many things I got exposed to even in a sheltered Christian household, and phones didn't even exist back then. I think for anyone who listens in, and you're a parent, um, you, what you want to think about, especially as we're we're you know going into 2020, we're going to explore more of these topics, is that you need to be able to prepare and equip your children you might have you could have an 11 year old son who goes over to his friend's house he's like hey have you heard of microdosing
1: mm. yeah. like
0: that's that's a very normative thing or do you know do you want to do this thing you know what your pineal gland is do you want to go ahead and uh, go outside your body with me i mean i was i was a shelter homeschooled kid and i went over to my neighbor's house when i lived in prescott arizona i had a friend tell me about all about his experience with a ouija board mm. i didn't yep. know what that was so, yeah. so I'm just making a point there that that's just something that you need to be aware of as well, too.
3: It, this is our ball game. This is all, our ballpark because the creator of the universe is Christ, right? Yeah. So this is the realm in which the Christian should have all of the answers. And ignorance or I would say willful, willful ignorance is not something a Christian should have in this area by any means. Like we are the ones that have the ability through Christ to bring to them the truth, which is the gospel that will set them free. Right. Not denying the experiences that they went through. Like uh, personally, you know, I'll go out and preach to people that are LDS as they're walking into the LDS ward in the morning and I'll have conversations sometimes and they'll tell me about how they had a burning in the bosom. Right. After yeah. they read the Book of Mormon and prayed about it, I don't go and say you didn't experience nothing. You didn't feel that, you know, well, I'll tell them, I'll say, you know, I believe you experienced something, but your experiences don't necessitate truth, right? God's word is what determines truth. Yeah. And we need to stand on that word when we're talking to these people. And the reason why I would say we have shows like Joe Rogan or people microdosing or searching for psychedelics to get all the answers is we need to see what the core issue is, is that these people are searching for truth. Yes. And they shouldn't have to look to these, to these other crazy areas. Us Christians should be pointing them to there in the first place, right? Yeah that's the issue this is god's world right and the people that he has regenerated that he has saved for himself the ones that are hidden in christ are the ones that are supposed to be the salt in the light and when we're not we can see what happens right the unseen realms the ones that like pastor josh was saying the ones that are rebellious against yahweh they run and they have fun you know but but they don't have power to christ they have they have nothing you know, so we need to we need to step up. Like that's that's what I'm thinking. Like we need to step up. Yeah. We can't be willfully ignorant, yeah. and we yeah. need to preach the truth. The preach the truth in love. That's that's yeah. what we need to do.
2: Mm-hmm. You got me fired up. You got me fired up,
1: brother. And really, I think <laughs> that, that it's interesting about uh you know how they're how they're taking psychedelic drugs and they're you know kind of combining it with uh, witchcraft because I mean that in itself is going to give um you know uh something uh as a, a dark entity like a
3: uh, spirit or something
1: uh, yeah, yeah. A spirit yeah. uh free will to take to completely take you over yeah. yeah um and uh i and i dealt with that i dealt with addiction throughout you know my my travel through witchcraft a lot yeah yeah and Mm. And I think that that did have a, a, a big role in it. In, I think that had a big role to play in it too.
3: Yep. Being numb. Yes. Mm.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I think I really appreciate you sharing that Kristen. And again, thank you so much for uh, coming on and Josh, thank you as well too. I'm so glad we able to connect and it just, um, and that's another thing. That's another. That's another thing too. I know. I know everyone's doing everything on everything on Zoom and everything like that. But live events are, are a great place to go to. This is a whole side note because you never know the connections you might make. And sure. thankfully, like I said, I went out there to work with uh, Darren Doan and his creative agency and kind of go out there at Fight Laugh, Feast. But you know, I, I I met and connected with a ton of really great individuals, and I got to be able to connect with you and really have this conversation that might be able to, to go to lots of people. So. Like I said, if ever there's, whatever if ever you're in something like go go to live events, you know especially you know you, those things going around. Fight Feast next year, go to that. When the things like G three, so <laughs> that was just a cool yeah. takeaway. Amen. But um, but yeah. So, anyways, uh, this I think uh, unless you guys have me, I think we pretty much I feel like I, I we've kind of really laid uh, the cherry on top as far as you know this this whole thing. And so I think overall, this is this is just really to kind of have this conversation for you all to hear it things to consider. Um, and so definitely when this episode comes out, you know, we're going to have some social media content or social media we can uh, just like, and you can go ahead and, um, you know, comment, let us know what you thought, uh, everything like that. Uh, Josh or Kristen, did you have any last and final thoughts before you, uh, before we wrap up here?
2: Um, I just wanted to affirm, just reaffirm what um, what's already been said here. This, this ought to be our area. Right? Whenever it comes to the things of the supernatural, people shouldn't have to go to Joe Rogan to find it. People shouldn't have to go to, um, oh, uh, the, the guys that you were referring to was his name, Graham, Graham Hancock, I think is his name. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. yeah. It, people shouldn't have to go to these places to find transcendence, um, truth, or meaning in life. Uh, the Christian worldview has all of these things. It gives us meaning, uh, it tells us that we're image that we're image bearers of God, and that we are infinitely valuable because we are created in His image, we are created by Him. Um, so, not only does it give us meaning, but it also gives us transcendence. It tells us that um, death is death is uh, something that is not normal to the creation, but Jesus has defeated death, and He will defeat death ultimately um, at the last day, and after that, we will transcend the grave. We will be, writ, we will rise again, we will have glorified bodies, and we will live in a new heavens and a new earth, and a creation unstained and untainted by sin. It, Christianity has all of these things, guys. It has all of these things to offer to the world. We need to not shrink back. We need to stand boldly. We need to, to, to teach this. We need to proclaim it. And we need to give it to a world that is desperately, desperately seeking and looking for transcendence in all the wrong places. So that's all mm-hmm. I've got.
1: Yes, absolutely. All right. um, and I do want to say, like, I I know that there is gonna be some skeptics about, you know, just the whole situation, um, in general. So, um, and that's okay. Like, I, I've accepted the fact that some people are gonna say I'm crazy and, and this and that, <laughs> but, um, and that's okay because if this helps one person, yeah. and this, and I can do all I can do to help somebody and to glorify. God then then everything is worth it. Amen. And I really, really appreciate you guys having us on the show and um I think it's actually wild how all this even occurred.
2: Oh, it's absolutely wild Um, how it all
1: occurred. You know, I definitely think that it is in God's plan for something um very big and and, you know, a change of season in the future. So, um I definitely just uh appreciate the opportunity.
2: Yeah
3: thank you guys thank you guys yeah
2: absolutely if you guys want to learn more about what we're just doing in our local church you can find us on all the social medias at new haven wv um we're, we're there if you want to follow us or you know kind of keep up with what we're doing and we're all on social media as well so
1: um i do want to add something to that too <laughs> um a lot of people know me as my uh, as north that's my middle name that i go by um I don't have on social media. I don't go by my first name. So on social media, I'm uh, my name's North Marie, so that might I thought you guys might be confused by that. Um, but you guys already do have me on social media, so um, but you can find me there so
0: mm-hmm. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, and also by the time we release this, uh, you've got there's also the series uh, Dark Holler, so we'll probably have more information by that by the time this episode's come out. So if you want to kind of find out uh, what happens with that, that kind of kind of tells a lot more of the story of Virginia, uh, go to www.darkhollerfilm.com. And we'll share more of that on our socials uh, when these episodes release. So uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, uh, if you feel led to donate and support The Cultist Show, go to the Donate tab. Uh, you can donate one time or monthly. We are coming up on the end of the year. We have a lot in store that we want to continue to be salt light into this uh, decaying culture. And uh, yeah, just get the word out. So thank you guys all for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time on Cultist. Talk to you guys soon.